Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you after Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 2, and more importantly, Unia St. Gennar 2, Liverpool reserves slash under 21s slash under 18s slash youngest team ever to be fielded in European competition. One. Got Jay. I've got Jay. Chief, what did we learn from that particular, like, training exercise? Not that much. No, not a lot, right? Not a great deal. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. It's one of them. Like, it's it's a complete dead rubber, and it's w- what we all wanted, obviously, because. You get the rest players and 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 um, for for the fixture pile up ahead and and you've already won the group and all. But yeah, at the same time, when you actually sit down and watch it, it's um it's not telling you a great deal about really where you are in the season or or anything like that. But um, you know, one or two decent performances and Kwanzaa did himself no harm. Um, one or two of the younger lads, perhaps. Um, Sort of showed they're they're still a little little way off, um, but when you when you feel a team of what was it nine or eight um, youngsters, I think that that started. If you if you sort of, I mean, Kwan's is part of the first team setup, so you can sort of take him out of it. Obviously, Kanate started, Endo started, and Gakpo started. So seven or eight anyway youngsters really um, in the lineup, and some making debuts. Certainly, some who are getting their first minutes this season. Um, um, so, yeah, I suppose the fact that we um, lost by a goal that was clearly offside um, means that we didn't actually lose the game. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what was going on there. I mean, you just have a video, you can freeze frame it. We could see in real time he was off. So, how they get that wrong after checking it and then pick up on a handball for the for the third goal uh, is is a bit beyond me. But hey. Um, I don't know when it comes to officials, whatever country they're in, they're they're not very good. Um, but yeah, ultimately it doesn't tell us a great deal. We, we went there; it was a good run out, obviously for the young lads, and um, it was good for us to be able to get through it unscathed. I don't think anyone picked up any any knocks or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, we go, we move on, and 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 the beauty of it is we we avoid the the last sixteen. So. Uh, or is it the last 32? We're straight into into um, the sort of business end of the competition uh, after after Christmas. I don't think we play another game in it until the end of February or, or even March. So um, we can certainly focus on on the league and the uh, the domestic cups in the in in the meantime. Yeah, well that's that's it, Jay. We can just we can put that to bed now for for you know. A number of weeks slash months. We and, and listen. Let's be honest. That was that was the objective at the start of this. I know there was a totally. few hairy moments and bits like that, but that was the objective at the start was to get to a position where at least your last game was an absolute dead rubber. You'd won the group. You miss out on that kind of weird playoff thing with I think the playoffs with the the third place Champions League teams. Is that right? Yeah, yep. if you're second, and then you get the third place dropouts. Yeah, yeah. So we avoid that nonsense as well. Gives us an extra two games that we don't have to play 
with God knows travel to where. And, you know, you, you stick it in the box and you move on. And, and looking at looking at the teams that are left in the competition, you'd, you'd feel strong. We'll come on to that shortly. But I think, look, it's not great. I think even the likes of Jones, Elliot, Kanate don't even look particularly good tonight. Gakpo. And it's it's hard to judge, but I feel funny saying this because it's the guy who gets the goal, and it's very easy to pick out the guy that gets the goal. But genuinely, there looks to be something about Drell Ponce that might actually be Premier League standard. The the biggest compliments I can probably give the lad is. If his name is on the team sheet on Sunday against Manchester United, I'm not worried. So, you know, you, you don't ideally want it given, you know, his lack of experience, but he's proven that doesn't seem to phase him. And, you know, he's got the minerals, as they say, to, to step up and do a job and a performance. And, you know, the, there's been young lads who've come into the first team and sometimes it's too big for them, you know. Possibly, you know, in a in a dead rubber tonight, there was there was young kids who were given an opportunity, and you know, they're, they're on the fringes of the squad. It's probably the best way to describe them. But you know, an opportunity presented itself for some of them, and there was just just moments where you think, you know, they're, they're not tactically quite there yet, and you know, with, with some of them, they're not physically developed enough. Um, and this lad at twenty years of age, I think he is now Kwanzaa. You know, he looks physically the part to be a centre half. He doesn't look wiry in any way. You know, like you see, like, you know, young lads coming through and they still need a bit of meat on the bone, sort of thing. And this lad looks filled out and, and in his frame. And he's learning from the best in the game in Virgil Van Dijk. And you can see that rubbing off in in how he plays, how he performs, the way he carries himself on the pitch. And okay, it's not ideal that we've lost Matip. And the quotes tonight from and Kwanzaa himself, you know, said like, you know, condolences to the fact that Massive's gone down with an injury, but his aim was to take his place in the team, you know, and and that's what you want to hear from lad, you know, not not disheartening and downplaying the role of Joe Massive in the Liverpool squad because he's he's been a great servant to us and he's he's led to so much success. But this kid sees an opportunity that Massive is coming towards the end of his time, yes, in contract and probably sometimes also in, in questionable performances and you know his opportunities presented itself and he wants to take it and he's doing himself no harm in in putting forward a case to to be you know knocking on the door and saying well we'll put me in boss you know if, if Kanate isn't 100 percent or you know if, if Gomez is needed at right back or left back then you know slot me in there next to Virgil van Dijk and I'll do a job because I can do it um and you know I think we all probably feel in the summer that we were we were the centre half short and and even now you know in in hindsight you might say we, we probably could have done with one more because you can't always rely on the fitness of of others but but this lad's come out of nowhere you know he was playing league one football last season and you would have absolutely been blown off the world if you would have said like this lad is going to step up and he's going to be our fourth centre half this season and he's going to be fine no one would have believed you so the fact that we've discovered them in terms of like you know he's come through our academy and had the faith in Klopp and the coaching team to to throw him in, then 
obviously proves that why they're, they're the managers of Liverpool and, and we're sat at home discussing this on the podcast. Yeah, and it's, a, it's like it's that old cliche, um, Jay. But if you bring him in for like 20 million from some Dutch club or some Belgian club or France or something, you're going, Jesus, we've found a gem. We're just going, ah, good old, good old Liverpool recruitment system. Just doing it, doing its usual, you know. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, like you know, we 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 can we've proven we can discover these lads, but your academy's there to produce them as well, you know. And if you can get one Jurel Kwanzaa every year or two of the academy, you know, then then it's it's doing its job and it's doing its role, you know. If if the other half a dozen dozen lads or whatever who are in his age group don't make it at us. Would potentially, you know, go on to have the decent careers, maybe a, a Championship League One level, or you know, maybe go abroad or whatever. But we get a fame for them, then that's also done its job as the academy. But you know, if you look at what we've got currently in our squad that we've come through the academy, then you know, Trent's obviously the outlier as the world class talent that he is. But you know, Curtis Jones has come through. We've had Kelleher for years, who question marks maybe over his level of performance now as a keeper, but he's still come through the system and he's proved an asset to us at times. And, you know, we, we've now got Kwanzaa there and there's other kids who you were on the, the knockabout. Of count, you can probably Elliot. count Harvey Elliott, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, there's young kids in the likes of, of Ben Doerr who's been knocking around the squad this season who, you know, he, at times you can tell he's, he's still very young, naive and very raw and, and probably needs to develop in a few other ways. But, you know, if he if he doesn't make it as a first team regular or squad player at Liverpool, there's enough there in his skill set to be able to recoup a decent fee and allow him to go on and, and have a good career in the game somewhere else. And, you know, that money then gets recycled back in and, you know, the next crop come through. So that's what that's what a good academy does. You know, you look at City, you look at Chelsea, you know, in the Premier League, and yes, they recoup from all over the globe and you know, they spread the net far and wide and, and mass produce a lot of talent, but it still produces money and it still produces the odd players for the first team. And, you know, we, we've we got to compete with these monsters of the game who were doing it legally or illegally in terms of FFP. But, you know, we've got to find ways and means rather than using the academy is certainly one of them. And, you know, if, as I say, we can get one Jadel Kwanzaa out of that production system a season or every two seasons, then, you know, we're doing all right for ourselves in that system. Yeah. And, you know, just to, just to finish off on, on Kwanzaa, because let's be honest, Steve, there's not a lot else to talk about from that game. Um, look, it, there's, it's a really small sample size, OK? Um, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and we don't want to put pressure on the player. But you know, fr- from the comments that he made that, that Jay quoted, it doesn't sound like press or something that that lad's really going to struggle with, probably thrive on it. But is there now a conversation to say that is there a genuine conversation between him and Kanate? Because if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I'm not, I haven't massively been impressed with Kanate's form this season. Just any time at all, Chief? It, uh, double tap the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> double tap. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's 
maybe too early to say is, is there a, you know is there a question over over starting births, but and obviously Kanate hasn't fully been right this season. He's sort of been coming back from one injury after another, really. Um, and perhaps tonight he was sort of just nursing himself through the game, really. Um, but he's there's no drop off. You're not worried when he starts. I mean, put it like that. Um, he's played in the Premier League this season, I think, a couple of times. He started a, a, a couple of games, certainly one, and he's uh, he's come on several times. And well, he starts against he starts against Palace in the last. Well, that's what I mean. That was I'm not sure if he'd started another game in the Premier League before that, but certainly started the weekend. And you know, we win the game, and he acquits himself very, very well. There's no no glaring errors, no no. Um, you know, no problems really at all, which is which is massive um, because we were all clamouring for another centre back before the start of the season, and now that Matip's gone, you know, you can say that maybe we 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 could have gone in for one. But being realistic, um, Kwanzaa was you know um, was was the one that they identified, and we saw him in pre season, and. Um, there was a bit of debate: Will we will we go into the market, or is he going to be the one? But um, they put their faith in him, and it's being repaid because he really looks to have the full package. He really does. He's quick, he's strong. As Jay said, he's already built. He's not getting pushed off the ball or muscled out of it. He's rarely getting beaten in the air because what what is he six four? He's, he's he looks the same size as Verge to me. Um, and he he can play. He he can uh, he can pass. He's confident on the ball. So it's it's great to be in that position because there there aren't that many teams that are that have a fourth choice centre back that's um, that that uh, is as as um, as what's the word I'm looking for? It's escaped me. But as as accomplished, shall we say, as uh, as he is. You so could I, argue he's actually the, you could argue he's actually the fifth choice centre back. Yeah, well, even yeah, even even still. So um, you know, we go down the we go down the the pecking order, and um, we're not having a massive drop off. I mean, it's a huge difference to you know having Nat Phillips as your fourth or fifth choice, um, where you have to completely change your game and and sit deep and 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 basically account for his weaknesses. Um, and there and I don't mean to single him out. He's obviously just the example we had, but there are many many fourth and fifth choice centre backs down the league where, where teams have you know essentially have to do that and we've had to do it in the past. So to be able to still play your game um and our game so heavily relies on on a high line and on high pressing and and all the rest of it. We we're when we sit too deep we're um <clears throat> there's the spaces are too big between the lines and, and we get exploited. So it's it's massive and it's great to see because Obviously, you're a bit dubious at the start, and you know the cynics are a little bit like, "Oh, is this is this them trying to find a fudge so they don't have to put their hands in their pockets or whatever?" But uh, it seems to have been massively the right call. So yeah, it's, he's he's got he's got all the hallmarks, and not only that, he's he's sort of proven it week in week out. He's really unlucky to have his uh, goal against Toulouse chalked off again for her, a bizarre VAR call. Um, a handball that happened sort of three minutes before the ball goes into the net kind of thing um, <clears throat> and he answers right back tonight with a goal and of course we, we lose the game but 
you know, I've mentioned mentioned already. That's that's a little dicey. And given that we do put out such a young team and it's so inexperienced, you know, it's 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 not really a disgrace to lose two one to the team that's top of the Belgian league uh, away from home. So um, yeah, Jarrell Kwanzaa is is very much in the mix, and he's you know he's 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 very much a first team squad regular, and he's he, he'll get his games before the end of the season. Yeah, I think. You know, if you're if you're looking down the league there, you know you you do well. Maybe take Arsenal aside. Um, he's he's got to be starting in, in in twelve at at least twelve of of the other Premier League teams. You know that that's the way I kind of look at it. Given his form, and like I say, it's early days and a small sample size, but all all signs are are really encouraging. Jay. Just to finish off on the Europa League, this you know, this is a competition we've got to be looking to win. It's not, you know, it's not the EFL Cup or League Cup or whatever it's called now. You know, this is this is something that genuinely finals in Dublin as well. Oh my god! Um, but if you look at the teams left, all right, let's just take a run through. Is there anybody particularly you would like to avoid? So, guys, drop out. Leverkusen and Roma. That's it. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Anybody dropping out of the Champions League? Benfica, Feyenoord, Milan, Young Boys, uh, Shakhtar. Um, who else? Who else have we got here? Uh, Galatasaray. Braga Lens, Galatasaray. Um, I would. You know. Out of what's dropping down there, you'd probably say maybe Milan or that they seem to be playing decent football is Feyenoord, but I still think we beat them comfortably over two legs. But you know, yeah. they seem to have a decent little setup there. But you know, maybe Milan is probably the only one of of note there that you sort of think not really fancying that. You know, anyone else? Yes, you know, there's there's trickyish. Potential away ties, you know, you, you look at Galatasaray straight away for that. Um, you know, whatever Shakhtar are playing these days, you know, I think it's tends to be in Poland. You know, they're not they're not a bad outfit, Shakhtar. You know, in, in the group with Barcelona and Porto, they still racked up three wins. I think it was. Um, but yeah, Leverkusen under Xabi Alonso look a cut above this season. Um, I think the. They're pretty much unbeaten from all, yeah. all intents and purposes across all competitions. Yeah, they are. They're flying. Um, I think they've if they drew like three games or is that or two games yeah, across I think all it's, competitions. I think it's one eight one eighteen and drawn three all season, I think it is. And they're clear at the top of the Bundesliga as well. Flying. Yeah. And then, you know, there's there's Roma because of the Mourinho factor, you know, like you would still fancy the quality of Liverpool to do Roma over two legs, but you know, Going to the Stadio Olimpico, he's just going to make it downright ugly and full all the histrionics that he possibly can out the bag to try and disrupt us. So, other than than what's left in the competition, there's not many other teams of fear. But those two teams have also topped their group, as we have. So, yes, we now go to the round of 16. And I think we get the bonus of the second leg of that tie being at home. And we're obviously going to avoid those teams until, you know, Essentially, the round of eight. Yeah, it would be nice if they drew each other. Actually, 
They can't until oh, the can round they of eight, can the they? Last yeah, because they're both group winners. Uh, okay, so it's seeded like that. So we'll get one of the second place teams then? The third place teams from the Champions League drop out and play the runners-up of each group. And then those ties, the winner of those ties face the group winners from the current Europa League. Very complicated, I know, but... I like keeping all these teams away from each other until certain times. But yeah, okay, so it'll be the last eight before we could we could meet them anyway. So potentially it is a Champions League dropout then that we get in in the next round. Yeah, I, it, I stand corrected in the fact that Roma finished second because uh, Slavia Prague have won that group. So we, potentially you could end up with Roma in the next round. Yeah, and it's it's funny that. You said that the two teams you want to avoid, and, and they couldn't be more opposite. You know, Leverkusen are a team that are, you know, just brilliantly coached in a really modern, you know, forward-thinking way with loads of players that are fit for purpose, sprinkled with a little bit of stardust in there with Alexa Frimpong and, um, and Florian Verts. And then you've got Roma and, like, some of the names in that Roma side, it's absurd, you know. You get the obvious ones in like Lukaku, Dybala, you've got um Leandro Paredes, you've got Ronaldo Sanchez, you've got Andrea Bellotti, um, you've got um uh, Brian Cristante, um You've got that fella with like all the vials that we were linked with, that everybody was linked with. OR. You know, so there's like there's genuine what you would probably call Champions League quality in there. Um, Pellegrini's there, you know, the the captain himself, great player. So they're a side with with proper quality, and I think they're probably a side that again, it's Mourinho, that's Mourinho's wet dream, a side that he can just go here, just keep it tight, and they've got a load of fellas who are dead good up the top end of the pitch, and they can probably, like, win us a game by scoring a couple of goals out of nothing. So, yeah, it's interesting, but... We actually don't find out as well until February who we get. So, as we record this... Playoff games first, don't they? Yeah, as we record this, now the draw is on Friday for the next round of the Champions League and obviously the the playoff rounds of the Europa and, Co- and Conference Leagues. And then, because we bypassed that round, I think the draw is somewhere around about the 20th of Feb, off the top of my head, roughly around that date, for our round of 16 tyres, which are played the first two weeks in March. So we haven't even got time you know, to think of or worry or concern ourselves with who we might get um, until February. So, yeah, like, as you said at the opening to this pod, you know, the job was done early for the benefits of now we can shelve this competition until the first week in March. So, it, it kind of feels as though we just had a pointless conversation, but, you know, it, it's, it's something that we can't really put any sort of force of, of fear into because... You know, it's all hindsight and ifs, buts and maybes, but I think we'll have a better idea in terms of the likes of Roma that are now in that round of 32 knockouts, so they might get a tricky tie from a Champions League dropout team, and then, you know, you can work from there onwards, but I think, yeah, the the, the trickier ties probably won't 
probably come until after that first knockout round at Wearing and then, you know, the round of eight is when you'll probably see the stronger teams eventually form the Europa League proper. Yeah, well, I think, isn't that the point? The point is that we're able to have a pointless conversation about that. That kind of is the point. Yeah. Um, which is, which is great. Yeah, which is great. Um, okay, Chief. Look, let's 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 switch it back. Yes, it would be great to win win the Europa League because yeah, because just it's just great winning cup competitions and you know everybody loves the massive jeopardy that the cup finals and stuff brings and just the whole you know festivities and and occasion of it. Um, but look, whether you want to say it out loud or not, whether pundits want to consider it or not. This Liverpool side is, regardless of its its deficiencies or its infancy in this form, are in a title race. Um, if Villa are in a title race, the people have been saying, then we're in a title race. Um, and if it's because of Villa's home form, um, then it's because of our home form as well. So, you know, this has been built on us finding ways to win games of football. I think, you know, there's there's probably two key things in this aspect for me. Uh, the first one is the fact that we've got loads of massively, well, three probably. You know, if we, if we want to start from, from back to front, the, the form of the form of the keeper and, and Van Dyke's um recapturing of his former glory you know, is up there. People want to talk about us being porous defensively. We've got the joint best defensive record in the league, so whatever. Um, I think you've got that litany of attacking talent at the top end of the pitch that can't just go and score goals out of nothing, and, 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 and Salah's form added to that just looks absolutely irresistible right now. But again, we saw it, we saw it on Saturday. Klopp's probably adapted better than most managers to is really excellent use of, of five subs. We even see it in the case where, like, have you seen how many times we've subbed centre halves on, like, 60 this season? It's mad. It's something you would, like, it's something you would never do unless there's something seriously wrong. And regularly we're taking off a centre half in 60 minutes. And at the top end of the pitch again, it makes a difference. We've seen Grabenbert come on at City make the difference. Obviously, Elliot's been a massive impact sub. Um, and we're able to rotate and rest really, really effectively. So, yeah, again, points from losing positions. There is This is the exact thing that we were missing last year, and we look to have it back. Yeah, I mean, massively. Last year, we crumbled in the face of any adversity. Um, and this year it's quite the opposite. We seem to be back to, to almost 1920 style where we are get surrender well, where we have been surrendering the first goal quite often, um, and and still finding a way to um to come back and, and get the points. And it is breeding that same kind of confidence among the fan base, I would say. And if it's building, it's breeding the confidence among the fan base, then you can only imagine what it's what it's doing for the players. Um, you know what I mean? Where you had that feeling during the, the glory seasons, you know, 1920 in particular, but, you know, also 1819, that 
that you were just going to find a way that no matter what you it didn't matter essentially and it didn't stop you going through the ringer during the game but at the same time you were you were sort of consistently vindicated because by the time the the final whistle went you had one more goal in the other team and it's very much looking like we're getting back to that same same belief same mentality and same state of affairs um obviously it's much nicer when you score first and go on to win the game sort of comfortably and to be fair we've been doing that much more often at home this season than away but it's interesting that our away form is supposedly bad and and of course it is worse than our home form but then our home form is almost immaculate um but we have played more games away from home this season than we have at home and we have played the toughest teams in the league away from home um and we have we we are sitting top of the league so um and as you rightly say people talk about a porous defense and when we watch our games i mean we 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 talk often enough about sometimes being being too open and too easy to get at but as you said best defensive record in the league joint um we're scoring a lot of goals i think only one or two teams have, have got more goals than us so all these stats bode really well uh individually and collectively they they amount to to be on top of the league so um you know on the subs thing i think he didn't adapt particularly well last season um perhaps other managers did it a little better initially but he's he certainly got to grips with it very very well this season and i think he's obviously helped by the fact that our squad is is incredible i mean it's probably the best squad or up there with the best squads we've we've ever had in the Premier League era. Um, we do have generally cover and and surplus in in all positions, barring one or two. Um, and even those positions that we're a little bit worried about, like your Andy Robos and stuff, the left back, and you know how is Costa's going to do? How are we going to cover that? Well, he's come in, he's done fine, he's done great. Um, you know, you're not always going to have two world-class players in 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 every position, but we're well covered. Uh, touch wood um, at the moment. So, so yeah, it's 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 great and it's fabulous to have players on the bench that you can bring on, and you know, there's no drop off. In fact, you're excited to get them on uh, because you're like, okay, well, you know, now we can really have a go. Um, and that's not to say that the players they're replacing you, you want to see leave the pitch, but you know what I mean. There is no discernible drop-off um, when when you are sort of you've got 16, 17, 18 players there that are all of um, you know top quality standard and you'd be happy starting or bringing on in, in any game so yeah I mean I like uh, you, you also touched on pundits not wanting to say it there and I, I do find it bizarre that we're almost not even getting mentioned even though we are top of the league but that's fine let them let them wax lyrical about Man City let let the PR machine talk about how wonderful they are whenever other teams struggling like uh, like they are for their standards this season would would sort of be having more questions asked of them that's fine let them let the their PR offensive go go all out go all out and obviously the London journalists love a bit of Arsenal and and you know Arteta's the was the the new young thing so fine let let them take the headlines we'll just keep winning games and keep racking up points yeah well well that's it um so listen I know we're only half an hour in but look 
I do want to dedicate a significant portion of this podcast to how fucking brilliant it is to see how fucking awful Man United are, Jay. Look, I'm going to make no apologies for it. It's the best time of my fucking football support life these last few years. Um, we've, honestly, though, we've, we've probably talked about this before. United invariably used to beat this Liverpool team. Not this Liverpool team, but just Liverpool. Especially in the Premier League era. But, like, I think the worst result I can remember was maybe 3-1 at home, I think. Beckham scores a free kick, if I remember. Um, But you've had... The odd goal, generally. Generally by the odd goal. Um, and we'd get our wins here and there, you know. Um, this has been consistently threes, fours, fives. Like, regularly, threes, fours and fives. Sevens. And then last year, seven, which was just, like, in, like insane. It's absolutely insane. If you... if I, I reckon... If you look at the form table, like who you know those aggregate things that we've beaten them by an aggregate of this over the last eight games. I reckon if you do that over the last eight games for every team in the league, our best record's probably against Man United. In fact, I'd say it's comfortably against Man United, and it's not just because of that seven 0 last year. So look, there's loads, loads has gone wrong there. Jay, just. Just go, just talk about whatever you want, about how fucking fun it is to see how bad they are and why they are as bad as they are. Well, in fact, first of all, I'm going to say about three years as a Liverpool fan, my only decent memories of playing my United were, you know, the couple of games where Danny Murphy scored an odd free kick at Old Trafford and then the season when was it three one four one we beat them there, and it was four it was four one there, and that yeah, was and what oh six oh seven when Dawson has scored and yeah you know we, we had that that mad week where we beat Madrid and United and Dawson scored two goals and then disappeared into the plethora of you know somewhere in Italian lower league football yeah. um, but for years and years you know it was. That was it. We had we had nothing else to to sort of hold, as you know, over United. Yes, you know the odd maybe one nil, two one win here and there. You know, you think of occasions at Anfield when you know Suarez scored a couple and Kaus nicked a few off his toe and Torres, you know, put Rio Ferdinand face down in the Anfield turf and whatever. But these are very far fetched memories here and there. Um, but yeah, in in recent times, what is it? You know, seven nil. Um, 4-0 at Old Trafford wasn't it was it a 5-0 at Old Trafford as well yep. something like that you know the, the the absolute smashings and yeah growing up it may have been probably worse for yourself you know living in a past of world where it's probably more 50-50 in terms of you know oh well worse mate it would be like United it, to Liverpool it's like if and you, you probably never experienced this but like when Everton get one over on you and you're like rocking into work, it's like that here if it's United. So like honestly, it was 
horrendous. It's it's unbearable if Everton and even play, if we beat and they them, don't even yeah, play us. Even if we beat them, that was grand. They'd go and win the fucking treble or something while we'd be sitting there at the end of the season with a wooden spoon or something ridiculous. So it, it didn't matter. It is the same. It's in, in terms of like you know, a derby for me is you just can't lose. Just don't lose that game, like regardless. And United's the same feeling. And some of the some of the wonderful games I've had the pleasure of being an outfield for, especially under Jurgen Klopp. You know, think back to the very early stage, like the Dortmund game in the Europa League, and coming back and Lovren scoring a header, and then you know, obviously the Barcelona games up there, and there's been other mad games. But but last season, that seven nil, it, it become comedy and it, it actually become more and more enjoyable obviously as the goals were going in but it was like and just how many can we get and it was like no nah, we can't get five no we can't get six no we can't we can't can we get seven yeah let's get seven let's get let's get bobby off the bench give him a goal because he's leaving in the summer and it was just so enjoyable to just come out of that game and not even know where to start where you were going to talk like you've just twatted manchester united in your own backyard seven nil and probably could have even had 10 had we probably took more of our chances. And then, you know, you fast forward it to this weekend and we were discussing before the show, what was it, United the 7-1 to one, just to, to try and get a victory at Anfield this weekend. And, you know, there'll be excuses there because they're missing X, Y and Z players. But I actually don't care who they've got and who they haven't got. I think if they had all their players available, we'd still beat them this weekend. Because there is levels between us, and to rob a phase from you, they are just not very good. In fact, the worst than that. And I can't wait to get there on Sunday because it's fifty-seven thousand. It's going to be our biggest crowd in years at Anfield. You know the fact that we've now got this upper tier of the Anfield Road available because I stand on the cops, so you get a sort of warped view of the atmosphere because you're in the middle of, you know, the heartbeat of the songs. So you can't exactly tell what exactly the atmosphere is is going like around the ground. But when, you know, them special nights and the whole four sides of the ground are up, singing, bouncing, it is loud and it is impressive. And to have whatever brave souls are coming down from United to watch that shower of shit turn up at Anfield, to have them surrounded on top of them to the side, all around the ground by us, you know, it it just whets the appetite. I can't wait to get in there because I do sense another trouble for them. And, you know, I'd be disappointed if we don't walk out of there with at least four or five goals in our back pocket and a clean sheet because that's what the very least they deserve this weekend. Yeah, Chief. Just looking there, the last, let's just take the last five games, okay? Um, so that's the last two seasons with a, sorry, let's take the last six games. So they beat us in the FA Cup 3-2, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago. Then uh, we beat them 4-2 at Old Trafford. We beat them 5-0 at Old Trafford. We beat them 4-0 at Anfield. They win 2-1 at Old Trafford last year when we're at our lowest ebb and then we think look we're not having that and it, it's 7-0 and 
look, that's their that's their only league win against us uh, going back to 2018. 10th uh, of March 2018 is the yeah. is the one before that. So I mean that and that just shows you you're you're right to say we are absolutely at our lowest ebb. And even then, there's no way we should fucking lose that game. I mean, it galled me. But anyway, yeah, the, I mean, we've definitely got the. Um, we definitely got the advantage over them at the moment, and um, you know the last game that seven nil. That's that's that was some that was some spectacle. Like it really was. It really was. I mean, I've never seen anything like that between two supposedly top teams. I mean, I thought the five nil was mad. We watched that five nil together in uh, in uh, I think it was in fucking the big house. Yeah, and we did. Yeah. I thought it couldn't get any better than that. And then to get seven. It's and I remember saying to you before that game, Chief, we will absolutely smash these today. I know. We'll absolutely smash them because that was, that was Solskjaer's team, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Salah was on fire. Did Salah get a hat-trick that day? He certainly, he certainly, um, he certainly rips them apart. But um, it is class and it is the best time to be to be a Liverpool fan and to be watching football as, as someone who grew up watching United win everything and uh, come from nowhere to surpass our uh, our league record of, of wins and, and title wins and, and so on. So to see them flounder is, is fabulous and to see them make mistake after mistake in terms of um, recruitment in terms of manager, in terms of really everything, everything they do, and to know that no matter what, they have no chance of improving until they get an entirely new ownership, which seems really unlikely at the moment, given the failure to sell the club uh, so far, is is fabulous because they're 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 no closer. You know, they're 10 years or 12 years away from their last league title and they're no closer to, to, to ever coming back. Um, so that process of them coming back, that has to start at, at zero and they've got to build from there and they're nowhere near zero yet. They haven't they haven't even hit rock bottom. They haven't even worked out that, it's, you know, they've got a problem and it's time to seek help. <laughs> so um, it's fucking brilliant. It really the is. first the first thing to sort your problem is admitting you have a problem. Too. That's it, like, and they won't because they've still got people in, in the media talking about Manchester United Football Club and this is my, this is the the, the, the traditions and uh, you know this is a, it, it's not that club. It used to be that club and it was that club for a particular period in the nineteen nineties and early two thousands, but since Ferguson left. And, they, and well, the Glazers took over before he left, but certainly since Ferguson left, it's been on a downward slide, and they've managed to arrest it once or twice by um, appointing big name managers and, and sort of winning UEFA Cups and or Europa Leagues here and there. But they have they've got nowhere in the Premier League, and and they're going nowhere fast. I mean. We were talking about this before the pod. Somehow they still, even though they seem to lose every week, they, they still manage to be in and around the top four conversation. And and thanks to our awful showing last year, they, they managed to, to get into the Champions League places. But, you know, they crashed out bottom of the group there, which is absolutely hilarious. And I will eat my hat. And I have several of them. And I might eat all of them if they get into the Champions <laughs> League next year. Because um, I don't think we're going to get that fifth place now that, that United and Newcastle have crashed out. 
So, and even with fifth, I, I wouldn't fancy them to be in the top five best teams in the country come the end of the season. And that's whether they keep Ten Hag or whether they, they sort of twist and, and go for somebody else. Because, like I said, it's the head rots from the, the fish rots from the head down and the head is, is rancid. The head's decomposed, mate. <laughs> exactly. The head's fallen off of its own accord. So it's, um, they're a long way away. And that, that's what heartens me. You know, sometimes you look at a, a team and you think, ah, there's not much, not much they have to do. You know, a couple of good signings or, you know, if they just, you know, stick to what they're doing, they'll, they'll get better and better. But long may United stick to what they're doing because they're, they're just digging themselves further into the hole. Yeah, it's a real funny one, right? Because, like, if you look at it on paper, there's loads of decisions you could say that have been really sensible. And not only that, they seem to have tried everything. They've tried, you know, Fergie's successor, you know, the the, the nominated candidate, the, the chosen one, as they called him, <laughs> didn't, didn't work. They tried signing, you know, the... the Chelsea's best player in Juan Mata. This, this will make the difference. Didn't work. They thought, no, do you know what? Let's bring in Van Hal, proven winner. Didn't work. Let's bring in Mourinho. Didn't work. Do you know what? Let's go back to the the nostalgia. We need to get our identity back, Solskjaer. Didn't work. Now it's the next up-and-coming manager. Didn't work. And you can say that about players have signed as well. On paper, they've made like some... like. The money they pay for like Pogba, Maguire, and 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 things like that are are just nonsensical. But there there are things in there that you would say that seems like a pretty obvious thing to do. You know, even the likes of Sancho, yeah, that that makes sense. Alexis Sanchez, yeah, you know that that he's he's great. He's been great for for seasons. Premier League proven. Um, Casemiro. Leader, blah blah blah, Varane, and we can go back. But no matter who goes to Manchester United, manager, player, or whoever, their career nosedives because they're at that club. It's fantastic to see, you know, really is. I. But it's bizarre. It's it's, it's bizarre really because bizarre, isn't it? It I, smacks of it smacks of a rotten culture at the club. A hundred percent. And that's it's top to bottom rancid and you know you, you see the spoiled brats like, you know, with the green and gold knotted scarves or whatever and blaming the glazers for this, that and the other. But you know, the glazers are at fault for some parts, but what they're not at fault for is is putting putting the money up for players. It's you know, it's the hierarchy at the top of the club who who's doing the recruitments of staff, who's doing the recruitments of players. You know that is all wrong at United. You know the recruitment of staff in particular, because I think it's it's the blind. It, it, it works. It works its way down the ladder. Like Jay, Jay, Steve Go McLaren. On. What is Steve McLaren doing on the coaching staff? But he's there with with Ten Hag, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah, what's he What's he doing there? Um, because Darren, he probably Darren speaks Fletcher, one Darren word Fletcher, in Dutch. Is it Darren <laughs> Fletcher the? Uh, the technical or something. Something of yeah, and you know, if if they weren't so outspoken, they'd probably have Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand in there, wouldn't they? But you know, the the two outspoken, but it it and stinks it of like Fergie having too much of an like influence. Actually, 
the one coach that looked like actually knew what he was doing now that we see it is, is your man McKenna, who's now you know, an Ipswich. An Ipswich doing unbelievable things with them. Was he there under Ollie though? Well, I don't I don't actually know when he left the club, but again, there's probably there's let's just say that's potentially from the coaching perspective, the one adult in the room that they've just let walk away instead of the going one, the to one, what this is the, the one, one talent. talent. Yeah, the, here here's the one person who has some talent. Let's maybe look to give him a bit more responsibility and a bit more control over what's going on here. He would never give him the time of day because of his name and his status within the game. So they will always think of themselves as something special and, and that's, so entitled. And that's their problem. Like they have to have the big, the shiny, you know, and you 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 lead off all the names of managers, you know, like Moyes was the chosen one and Mourinho was, you know, the former glory name in football management. And then, you know, you've gone for the the Dutch nostalgia in Van Gaal, and then you went for the former club legend in, in Solskjaer, and then obviously now the the next big thing on European football's up-and-coming scene, scene sorry, in the Ajax manager in Ten Hagen. You know, they're just after, like, whatever is big and shiny and makes the headlines rather than what's actually practically good for them. And they suffer from the the crisis of not being able to accept the fact they're not what they used to be. And until they can accept the fact that they're not, then they're always going to have this issue. Totally. I just want to come in there. They're just, uh, they're dining out of former glories. And they're like, they're like the, the fallen movie star who, who who's nothing now. And, and walks. I mean, there, do you ever see that show? He's bound and down. Um, where he's he, the, the baseball player who, who was in the major leagues and he fucked his career and he ends up playing in like the minors in, in some shitty little town, maybe his hometown or whatever. And he's still acting like the big balls. That's them. And they, yeah, I was going to mention that uh, that Bruce Springsteen song, Glory Days, where it's about your man just sitting, <laughs> in the, sitting in the bar drunk, just telling everybody about how he used to do this and used to do that. Yeah, doing football now, I mean, except sitting at the bar getting shit faced. And in a in a way, it it, it kind of resembling to was in the nineties, in terms of you know like we had the glory of the seventies and the eighties, and then you know you went from like the likes of your your Roy Evans and your Graham Souness, and you know you eventually landed on Gerard Houllier, and you sort of got things a little bit back on track with a few trophies, but then we stumbled our way through, and so we sort of got to you know. Let's just go and get a man who's done a clear house in Rafa Benitez and, you know, maybe strip it sort of back to basics and come in with a whole different philosophy of trying to rebuild the club. And yes, the off-field stuff in terms of, you know, the Hicks and Gillette and stuff didn't help. But it's took us years and eventually now, only under Jürgen Klopp, have we managed to reach the promised land once again and get back to the very pinnacle of the game. But that's basically what United seem to be going through is like our sort of nineties, early noughties era where they're, they're trying everything and it's just but not it's a working. Quick fix. But we were they're getting, looking they're always looking for a quick fix, we, Chief, aren't they? We were getting closer, whereas they're they're just spinning around in the dark in a way. And I suppose maybe I'm a little biased saying that, but if you sort of go we were you know, it goes from Kenny to to Graham Sunez and at that time 
obviously he's a club legend and he's he's done really well with Rangers. What is it, nine in a row? He's won with Rangers. So, you know, he's he's got the kind of got the pedigree, although he's untested at the highest level. And he comes in and you know, it's all too much too soon and he bombs out a load of senior players and, and it really goes to shit. So then we go for Roy Evans and, and to be fair, he rescues things pretty well. I mean, we have a good spell and I know people look back at it, I think overly harshly, to be honest, um, because of the Spice Boys and the perceived lack of discipline and, and so on. And and that's fair enough. We probably fall short in that era from what we, we could have achieved. But we're in the shakeup every year. We're in the shakeup. A couple of times we come third in a in a two horse race, you know. Um, yeah, that was the old court, wasn't it? Exactly, and and obviously we're one of the horses. So, you know, we 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 fall away a bit. Then we get Julie in, and um, he sort of brings us back, brings us back our European nights and and things like that. And you know, we we win a couple of trophies. We we do the treble that year. Then he has his his sort of heart attack and, and falls away and that that and team... Chief just to stop just to stop you there Chief doesn't that all sound very familiar where United have been like there and thereabouts remember they finished second they won their they won their treble didn't they with the you know Europa League FA Cup and League Cup and um they've picked up little trophies here and there and and I think we spoke about this before Jay's absolutely right there are so many parallels to be drawn there are and tons- it took it took for us to have a complete reset with FSG and but then another five, six, seven years after that before but, we were actually challenging for trophies. It took us to get good owners, ultimately. And, you know, we, we also hit rock bottom in terms of Roy Hodgson. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> How can yeah. That, that, that's a weird, horrible six months. I'd written that. Yeah, they haven't had. I've written, and they I've haven't. Written. They haven't had the Roy Hodgson yet. Have no. So, 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 what we're saying is, at some point, Big Sam Allardyce is going to take the United job. Yeah, that's it, Tony. Yeah, Cruz. I was actually going to say Pardew's going to fucking. <laughs> he's going to do like a job share between United and Talk Sport, and that's when we or, have or, to get or Steve Bruce or something like that. You know, they've got to they've got to dig out one of these dinosaurs before they go. And they just need, say, have that. six months there and just take them to the brink of extinction. And they need, and I think, you know, for us, we needed that administration, bizarre as it, as it seems, because it was the only, or that, that threat of administration, because it was the only way to get rid of those, of those cowboys for a start. Um, but, you know, it is, it's, it's quite similar in a way also with the owners. I mean, they're not, the Glazers are not as pronounced. As Hicks and Gillette, and yes, the money has been there for for players, but off the off the pitch, I mean, they're they're they are still leveraged to the hilt. The club is still in debt, despite its its massive profits that it makes and so on, um, and it's slowly being sort of eroded from the inside, despite the shiny new toys coming in. The stadium or the club is this, by the way. Well, the club essentially, <laughs> the stadium is, uh, is a case in point. You know what I mean? It's fallen down. There are holes in the roof. It needs massive renovation. And you think, going back to the late 90s, how they that was the pinnacle of English football. Exactly. It was a stadium. Exactly. It, and we were jealous of it, how jealous we were. Look at their stadium. Look, they can get 70,000 in. We, we can barely get 50 or 45 and, and all of this. We're getting left behind. 
And it just goes... Oh, to... Chief, Chief. It mm-hmm. was like 34 or 36 at that time. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, so, we had a single-tiered Anfield road, a, a very much more smaller reduced main stand, and only not long after the, the, the Kenny being upgraded and enhanced in terms of its capacity. So they were nearly doubling our capacities uh, on a regular basis, and we were we were coming second best, you know, or, or worse in every department. But <clears throat> it doesn't last forever. And, um, you know, you sort of go back to the... David Moyes appointment after Ferguson. And yeah, it's it's widely sort of accepted that Ferguson's last title winning side was sort of um cobbled together and, and relied on on you know certain players with, with top quality and, and really he, he didn't leave them well set up. But it's it sort of speaks a little bit of the attitude because didn't Moyes come in and and you know he sort of saw things weren't weren't particularly what he wanted and he was trying to implement certain training methods and certain regimes and the players were just not having it you know and in the end the, the sort of dressing room turned and and he lost against us and and got the boot and but the pattern hasn't changed it sort of seems that every manager that's come in. Has tried to to shake things up. You you look at um, Van. You look at the most recent one. Obviously, he came in with the remit to get rid of Ronaldo, and he he he's often references the fact that he'd been given the authority to you know they wanted a firm hand and and so on. And he sort of uses that to to justify why he has been a bit of a cunt with with certain players. And that's all well and good. But Van Hal was also pretty disgusted by some of the things that were going on and, and trying to get them to do things differently. And they weren't having him. They weren't having Moyes who was telling them that actually they weren't as good as they thought they were and they needed to get back to bases. And it's just that arrogance which ties into the glory days idea and so on. Who are you? Who are you to tell me? And the idea of, of um, always wanting the, the shiniest thing or not giving someone a, a, who's talented a, a fair crack because they don't have the big name. And that's really the issue. They're arrogant and they can't. The, the, the serious lack of, of, of self-analysis um, or collective analysis within that club. Self-awareness. Yeah, that's it. it, it just to, to stand back and say, look, it's all very well. We've got this history, like Klopp did when he came and he said, history's brilliant, but it's it, you have to keep making it. You know, there's no point in talking about your history if you're if you're no nowhere near to, to doing those things again. And it's the same for them. They're They're... They're deluded, as are the the ex players that talk about them and the pundits, because they still talk about, as I said earlier, this Man United club. They're not good enough for Man United. They are because that's what this club is at the moment. You aren't. Your name doesn't pay the bills. You know, ultimately, you might you might have you might have the the title, but you're not performing, and you haven't done for years, like thirteen years, twelve years since they've won a title. That's music to my ears, but I'm sure United fans are grinding their teeth at it. Like, yeah. um, and like I said, it, it doesn't seem to be coming around any quicker. Any, any quicker, they're not getting any closer. So they, they need a decent dose of humble pie, and they need to sort of take stock and be real. Um, and yeah, we'll see when that rock bottom does come. But I'm I'm enjoying watching the watching the race to the bottom anyway. Yeah, they 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 need a good dose of humility. And let's be honest, Jay, that's what we all hope we give them on Sunday. A good dose of humility or or possibly humiliation. And again, 
so <laughs> look you can kind of still see it just in in the way that the likes of Bruno react you know what I mean yeah. when they're losing their petulance their lack of discipline their inability to, to dig in and say no right we won't get embarrassed here yeah there's spoiled child syndrome yeah. isn't it mm-hmm. totally Jay look let's let's take a look to the game itself then um I think tonight's look tonight's lineup probably informs a lot of what we expect to see on Sunday. Um, again, the midfield is is always going to be the question. Um, I think we probably know what the front three is going to be given given who's who's selected tonight. What do you expect to see? And look, I'm not going to ask is this is this side good enough to beat United? But realistically, you would hope that. We don't just beat them, but we beat them well. Yeah, um, I think there's there's a few question marks in terms of our eleven. Um, obviously, the big fellas back in in goal because Paul Keevan, you know, he didn't put on the best performance tonight. But that's by the by. Let's be honest. The, the, listen, the big fellas back in goal because he might be the best goalkeeper that's ever lived. Yeah, he's certainly by far the best keeper in the world, hands down. No questions asked. Um, I think Costas definitely comes in at left back. Obviously, Virgil's back in. You'd imagine Canate partners him. I think then there's a question mark as to do we play Gomez at right back and push Trent into a more orthodox start and midfield role? Or do we start Trent in that sort of do-what-you-want role? Um, because then, you know... Domza Bosley is going to start and, you know, the question mark then is who who fills the midfield? So if Gomez is right back, you know, you're saying Trent, Zabozlai, and then for me, I would say Curtis Jones, but I think he predominantly played quite a lot of minutes tonight and Gravenberg come off the bench and I've not overly been impressed with the last few outings from Gravenberg and I think in a game like this, you want a lad who's who's got a, a little bit about him in terms of, you know, what this game actually means and also the ability to just take a bit of sting out the play and put a foot on the ball and, and you know, retain possession at times because, you know, we, we've mocked United for the last half hour or so, but, you know, they are going to come and they're going to they're gonna try and do something. You know, even if they've got a team full of young lads, they're going to try. And for me, Curtis Jones is, is someone we've lacked in the last few weeks in our midfield. Um, Alexis is definitely out. That's being confirmed, and then you'd imagine yeah, the front three is is Salah, Diaz, um, and Nunes. So I think the question mark remain around where does Trent start, and then does that mean Gomez right back, or does it mean you know potentially a start for Gravenberg, Elliot, or Endo and with all due respect to all three lads, I don't want to see any three of them start this game. Elias, yes, has done well, but he's done very well off the bench. And I think he, he said himself yesterday in the press conference, he he sees things from the bench. You know, he's, he's analysing the game as he's sat there and he's, he's sensing an opportunity. And I think the pace of the lad, you know, coming into a game 60, 65 minutes in, you know, the, the pace of the game might have slowed down a fraction and his ability to to find pockets of space and, you know, manipulate the ball in small, tight areas when the pace is slowed ever so slightly benefits him massively. So, 
that's where I think he, he's a useful asset for us. And yeah, poor Endo for me, unfortunately, looks like a deer in the headlights, especially when there's sort of hustle and bustle around him. And yeah, as I said, with Gravenberg, I'm not overly impressed. So is it is it time to start Trent in midfield? You know, a game at home to United, given what we've done to them last season, why not? You know, let let him let him have that role. And we also mustn't forget how how good Gomez was in in the Palace game in the second half last week. You know, was my the match at in all intents and purposes for for what we produced in the second half. So if he started right back, I wouldn't be too concerned. So I think whatever we do, we'll have more than enough to beat them anyway. Yeah, I think Jay stumbles on a good point there. Burton didn't stumble on a good point. He made it very clearly um, and with purpose. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Sorry, I thought I, I thought I undersold you there, so I thought I correct myself. Um, <laughs> like but, an endo passing midfield, you slightly <laughs> undersold me there. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the key question is here is is what do we do in the six? And I think I think you're you've probably got three options. You, you've got the do you put Trent in there like as a as a nominal six and, and play Gomez? Um, you put Andrew there because he's the the only real natural six that you have in in the team in the squad. Or do you do like a do you do like a, a Gravenberg Jones double pivot sort of thing? Now, I, look, I think, yeah, I agree with you that. Um, I haven't necessarily been impressed with Gravenberg. He's been he's been good in in patches. I I would say like really really good in patches. Um, but Jones and I'm a big big fan. But the few games he's played since he's come back, he hasn't looked up to speed. So I'm curious as to what you would do there. I would put both Jones and Trent in a, in a double. And then allows the Bosley to just roam ahead of them. And you know, just Jones has got has actually got the discipline to sit there and you know, Trent naturally drifts there. And if we've got a back four per se in, you know, Gomez and Simicus who who will work the channels, you know, we've we've got ourselves a decent base there. And I think it's also the Bosley as well in the last few weeks has sort of stagnated in his performances. It's sort of you know, he he come in and he was he was a breath of fresh air. But has he been overplayed? Arguably, you know, has he sort of hit a, a stagnated point? Arguably, yes. But this is a game and a big game at that. And he is a big game player. You can just sense that about him. I think this is this is one where he could take by the scruff of the neck and sort of run it. And I think what what we've seen tonight actually from Jones was was a lot of good on-ball ability in terms of possession in tight spaces. You know, we weren't exactly leading to much, but his ability to retain possession, I think, was key. And, yeah, I think that's what we need. And Obviously, going forward long-term, we probably need an orthodox defensive midfielder who is a lot more mobile and a lot more athletic than than what we've currently got. But for what we've got available to the weekend, that, that's what I would go with, is those two in the middle and sort of allows the boss like to roam around because with with Gomez and Simicus, we will also get wing-backs at times because we will probably pen United in and, you know, we can allow Trent to roam and, and Gomez to hold the whiff and, mm. you know, that, that can then allow 
you know, Salah also to, to sort of roam in field because I thought at times in the second half against Palace when when Gomez was holding that position wide, it allowed Salah to go more central and we did, you know, we, we, we have seen link up between Salah and Nunes and if Nunes is the start and nine, then the closer those two are to each other, you know, the, the higher possibilities that, that chances are going to come their way. Will they be converted? We remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, I'd be tempted to, I'd be tempted to 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 put Trent back back on the right. I I agree with you on Sabozla. I think he has been a bit muted in recent times. I think the, yeah, but he, he, he does. He looks very much like the player who's played the most minutes for us this yeah, season. Yeah, well, I was just about to just about to say. I think that's because he's um, he's played so much and he's also played so much for Hungary. Um, so he hasn't had much of a rest. Obviously, he gets a rest this week. He he doesn't play tonight. Doesn't travel tonight, as far as I know. Was he on the bench? I, did, I didn't see his name. Uh, maybe he was, but he he didn't get on the pitch. Um, so I'd be tempted to to play Trent at right back and and ask him ask him to 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 play a little bit more like he has done over the years, rather than bringing him into the midfield. I feel that Trent and Sabah's like getting each other's way. When they are sort of in there a little bit, I think Trent steals the ball like thunder a little bit, um, as the ball tends to go through him quite well, nearly all the time when he when he's in that position. I also feel we we lose threat from wide areas when Trent's too far inside. And if you look at the numbers, yes, he's picked up a couple of goals, but the assists are way down. Um, so I'd be I'd be tempted to have a, a midfield of 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 um, um, either sort of Endo, Sabozlai, and, and well, you've got options. You can have Endo, Sabozlai, and Jones in there, which would be a good three. Um, you could have, you could switch in Gravenberch for, 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 uh, for, for one of them there, and, and you could play Jones, Gravenberch, Sabozlai potentially, or, you know, or Endo, Gravenberch, and, uh, and Sabozlai. I would start obviously Dom. Um, in that on that sort of right hand side at eight, um, but I'd like to see Trent occupy his more traditional role, which let's be honest was never a traditional right back and was was massively effective for it. And I just think at a game like this, you you don't want to be funneling everything through the middle. I think that's been an issue for us a lot. A lot's been just going through the middle. I think everyone's noticed that that we lack width on the right. Salas had to hang out too far which makes him less potent. Um, and yes, he's picking up the numbers, but he's not running games and he's not popping up with chance after chance, which is really what you want uh, from your from your best striker. You want him, you want him having as many options, uh, as many goal-scoring opportunities and situations as, as possible. So I just think that uh, rather than sort of moving Trent in, I, I think we've got it covered. And I think you've got, you've got back up in the midfield and you've got um, you've got backup at centre back uh, if you don't play Gomez uh, from the start. So that's the way I would go. Um, I like Endo when he plays. Uh, yeah, tonight he didn't look great, but you know who did? It was it was very much a second string, if not a third string side. Um, I think when he when he can just sit there and and play his role, and he's got. You know, two strong eights beside him. I think he's 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 absolutely fine. I don't, you know, I doubt that will happen because obviously Endo starts tonight and Jones plays. Does he play ninety tonight? I think he played the, the full game. Um, 
but you've also, you know, you, you, you've got options in there. And like I said, I just think we, we lose we lose a lot of threat by not having Trent whipping balls in, by not having his his right foot really as, as a weapon from wide. Um, yes, the through balls are good and he adds, he adds something extra when he's in the middle, of course. But I just think what he gives you from wide positions um, is is really it can't be matched. There's nobody else in the league that can do it, and I think we 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 could use some of those assists. When you look at Darwin Nunes there, and people talk about his finishing, whatever, he doesn't get he doesn't get enough chances. Yeah, he, yes, he should score more, but he doesn't get enough chances by half, and most of the chances he get, he actually makes himself. Um, we should. He's six foot four and great in the air. When was the last time he scored a header for us? You know, when was the last time he had a chance to score a header for us? So I think we we have really valuable assets, which we're using in, in particular ways. But we have other options of using them, which could be just as effective, if not more. So I'd be more tempted to put, as I said, to put Jones back on the, uh, Trent back on the right, Simi on the left, um, uh, Kanate and Van Dyke in the centre. And then you've got a strong base anyway, and four that have played together sort of, plenty of times there um, and you've got you put a strong midfield for three in front with with Jones and Sabozlai in there with one other and and you've got your 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 forwards so I, I'd be more tempted to go that way I mean Klopp like I said there were a lot of minutes tonight for some of those players so it may not happen but I'd be I'd be very happy to see something like that yeah Jay look I think this United team they are they're bad at the best at times. And what we have, which they will certainly not have, are options off the bench and the ability to change the game. You know, if, if you look at, yeah, we've got our injuries in, in you know, Robertson, McAllister, Jada, Manip, um, but they're missing Martinez, Casemiro, Martial, Eriksen, Maguire, obviously the Sancho issue. Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford, Mason Mount, Malasia, and Lindelof, and Bruno Fernandez conveniently got himself booked at the weekend, so mm. isn't able to play. So you you expect there literally is no better time to play this Man United team? Probably not, but just caveat it with there might be a couple of kids in there who just actually want to prove a point. So. I think, if anything, we're more at risk of injuries. You know, that Hannibal kid, I remember him coming on last year and kicking a few players up in the air. Uh, he's aptly named, isn't he? Yeah, and, you know, like this this guy, Nacho lad, and he might have a few others who want to try and make a name for themselves. But I think, if anything, all we've got to do is, is just be careful in terms of making sure we don't get any knocks and bumps. But, yes, you can't argue the fact that they're, they're weak in every sense of the word. And, it it just gives us all the more sort of motivation to go out there and, and try and replicate last season's result. We probably won't get seven, let's be honest, but we should be getting four plus. Um, and if all you right, can then. get give if me, you can get give, a decent give lead, a, give me a score prediction the, then. Yeah, I think if you get a decent lead, it also then stands you in good stead for next week because we've got two more games in in the week at home. Um, I've made the cup game in Arsenal, so you know potential there to rest players or get them off after sixty. So 
I would say 4-0. Chief? Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, all, all being well, it, it, it could be something like that. Um, I'd be happy with three. Um, but yeah, why not? 4 nils a, a lovely scoreline. I just think if we if we do get ahead and we're comfortable, I don't see us I don't see us going all out to punish them. What would the what would the schedule we've got? I think we'd we we'd, we'd quite happily declare on three or four. Um and I really sort of hope it goes that way because I, I would love just coasting out the last sort of half an hour with the game comfortably won. And as uh, as Jay said, avoiding injuries because that was something I was thinking about as well. If they've got if they do have a couple of young lads in and we are hammering them, there's no telling what kind of tackles might start coming in. Um, we've seen it even with their top stars, with the likes of Bruno and Pogba and stuff over the years, throwing them in. So um, the number one priority, win the game, and it's very close behind is no no injuries. So, yeah, three or four now, quite, quite comfortable, I think. I just don't see a world in which they can make it that difficult for us if, if we turn up and, and play our normal home game. Yeah, I, I would say they did look to take a more conservative approach during the week against Barn. But again, you, you're probably starting there. Your back four is going to be Wan-Bissaka, Varane, Lindelof, and probably going to go Dallow at left-back. In front of them, McTominay. Um, fuck, who else? Um, Amrabat, who... <laughs> do you remember people wanting us to sign him? Um, and then, I don't know, the young lads? Maybe, potentially? And then you're, you're going to front three of who? You know, Hoyland, Garnacho, and, and Anthony? That's probably the way they're going to line up. So, I'm not even sure they have the discipline... To keep it tight, but I'm I'm gonna go a conservative two 0 because I think they'll they'll make it I think they'll make it difficult for us. I think it just depends when we get the first goal because if there's anything I've noticed about this Manchester United side this season, they can occasionally look good in games up to a point, and generally that point is when they go behind, and when they go behind, they tend to just absolutely implode, which I think is why, you know, they've no draws this season. They either take the lead, they go on and, and they, they win the game or they fall behind and they absolutely fall apart. And I'd be interested to see, you know, how many games, how many points they've won from losing positions this year. It might be none. I'm not sure, but it could well be none versus our like ridiculous, what, 18 or something daft like that. So, yeah, I'll go. So we've got a 2-0, 3-0, a 4-0. Anywhere in between, I'm happy. Right, lads, we've gone way over, but that was fun. Everybody loves talking about how shit Man United are. It's almost more fun about talking about how good we are. Um, so, listen, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, until next time, up that we're just so, so much better than Man United Reds. <laughs>